Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We completed chapter 3 last time, and I want to string together for you, if you will, uh, chapter 3, and uh, I want you to follow with me. Uh, John chapter 3, look at verse 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, y'all need to help me. Jesus said to Nicodemus, what? You must be born again. John chapter 3, verse 5. If you are not born of water and of the Spirit, then you will not see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 5. You will not enter the kingdom of God. Look at verse 18. You will be condemned. In verse 36, fast forward to verse 36. And you will not see Life and the wrath of God will remain on you. John chapter 3 is where we find 25 of the most important words in the Bible. John chapter 3 verse 16. Saints, come on, read it with me. John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Some of y'all didn't read it like you mean it. I want y'all to read that like you mean it. John chapter 3, verse 16, come on, read it like you mean it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. We learn in John chapter 3 that God wants everyone in heaven. And God will do whatever it takes to reach the lost. We move into chapter 4. The Lord is still reaching out to the lost. This time, it's not a man, but a woman at a well. God is always gracious. Can you say amen? And God, listen, is always purposeful in everything he does. Got a pen? Got a pad? Three things concerning the grace of Jesus as it relates to this woman at the well that we're going to talk about today. Three things. I want you to write them down. Number one, Jesus is graciously purposeful. Verses one through four, we'll talk about it. Jesus is graciously purposeful. And number two, Jesus is graciously relational in verses five through 10. And then finally, we'll talk about Jesus is graciously superior in verses 11 through 14. Jesus is graciously purposeful. Jesus is graciously relational. And finally, we'll talk about Jesus is graciously superior. I've titled this sermon, Spiritual Dehydration. John chapter 4, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need you to say amen like you mean it. Therefore, when the Lord knew 
And the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Underline that. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour or twelve noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, What did he say, saints? Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Well, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Take a look at John chapter 3, verse 34 and 35. It tells us, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. Jesus speaks the words of God and God gives a spirit to Jesus without measure. Verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. Now listen, these are awesome words because they tell us God sent Jesus. They tell us Jesus speaks the very words of God. They tell us God gives Jesus a spirit without measure and always has. They tell us the father loves Jesus Jesus is the God-sent, God-loved, God-speaking, spirit-permeated, all-authoritative ruler of all things. Chapter 4, we are told Jesus left Judea in the south, and he headed for Galilee in the north, and he went through Samaria. You taking notes? Write this down. He left Judea. The word left means to abandon. It means to leave behind. I think of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I have it for you on the screen. I want y'all to read it with me. Y'all too quiet for me. Come on, read it with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. Listen, everybody read it. It's on the screen. It's right there. Everybody read it with me. Come on. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Listen, post-resurrection, Jesus told the disciples, this is how the gospel will spread. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the other most parts of the world. It seems that Jesus is modeling that map as he's had some ministry already in Jerusalem. He's faced hostility in 
the cleansing of a temple. He, he's had a great encounter with Nicodemus, and now he's leaving Judea, abandoned Judea, and moving to Galilee. And most of his ministry takes place in Galilee. So Jesus is headed for the Galilee because he learned the Pharisees had heard that he was making more disciples than John. Now, there's several speculations as to why Jesus left the area for Galilee. Why did Jesus leave Judea? Well, first of all, let me tell you why he didn't leave. He didn't leave because he was fearful of the Pharisees. Jesus wasn't running from the Pharisees. Tell me y'all knew that. He wasn't running from the Pharisees. Jesus was never afraid. Even knowing the brutal affliction of the cross ahead of him, he was never afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid. No man could touch him one second before God's time. Jesus left the area for his own good purpose. Number one, because his hour had not yet come. We see that phrase over and over in the gospel of John. His hour has not yet come. When Jesus talks about his hour, He's talking about the father's heavenly timetable. He's talking about Good Friday, the time that he's going to go to the cross. The second reason Jesus left Judea is because point number one, Jesus is graciously purposeful. Look at verse four in your Bibles. He needed to go through Samaria. Jesus needed. Are y'all listening? Jesus needed to keep an appointment with the woman who lived there. Chapter 3, verse 35 tells us all things were given into his hands. That tells us that Jesus was not controlled by his circumstances. Jesus was in charge of his circumstances. He needed to go through. He needed because he needed to keep an appointment. He went through Samaria. He could have gone another way. Listen, in between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south, in the middle region is this area called Samaria. The quickest way to Galilee in the north is to go straight through to go straight through Samaria, the quickest way to Galilee. But a good Jew would never go through Samaria. You would go east and then north and then west, but you would avoid Samaria because the Jews hated the Samaritans. And the reason the Jews hated the Samaritans because in 721, uh, 722 B.C., uh, the Assyrians captured the Samaritans or Samaria, and which was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And they deported, listen, all of the Israelites and replaced them with foreigners. And the people began to intermarry Jews and Samaritans, began to intermarry and establish their own religion, which started animosity between the northern and the southern kingdom. And it was actually Jeroboam who instituted calf worship 2 Kings 17 and 18, when the Jews returned back to their homeland, they looked at the Samaritans as racial half-breeds whose religion was tainted. 586 BC, Babylon destroyed the temple. The Samaritans wanted to help rebuild the temple, and the Jews said no. 330 BC, the Samaritans built their own temple on Mount Gerizim, or Gerizim, some people pronounce it. So we have ethnic and racial and religious issues. It's very interesting that the Samaritans, and I didn't really notice until like yesterday, actually, the Samaritans believed in the Torah. Although they believed that Abraham offered Isaac on Mount Gerizim, Gerizim, not Moriah. 
So the Jews hated the Samaritans and they were considered heretics and outcasts, ceremonially unclean, racially impure, and to be avoided. Now listen, we have to understand something about the sovereign Savior. The sovereign Savior, I like to say that, the sovereign Savior, the sovereign Savior is always multi-purposeful and his purposes are always gracious. If you could see what God sees, you would see millions upon millions of purposes in every action Jesus does. I'm going to say that again. If you could see what God sees, you would see millions upon millions of purposes in every action of Jesus. God is never doing just one thing in what he does. Somebody say amen. I'll wait. Because it's true. He never, he's never doing one thing in what he does. He's always doing thousands of things that we can't see. He never has one purpose in what he does. He always has thousands of purposes in everything he does. He's infinitely wise. Everything he does relates to everything else that he does. That's why we can confidently and boldly declare Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called what? According to his purpose, we can confidently and boldly say that because everything he does relates to everything else he does. So nothing going on in your life is God unaware of because everything he does is always working together for your good and his glory. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. That's great. That's great. Your good and his glory. Everything's working together for good. Point number two, we got to move forward. Jesus is graciously relational in verse five through 10. Look at verse five. Verse five tells us that Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, or in your Bibles, write it down, Shechem. It was near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. So we learn that Jacob had dug a well near Sychar. Listen, people. Jacob dug a well near Sychar that he gave to Joseph. Now, it's interesting because we don't hear anything about that in Genesis. And I think the reason is, again, God is purposeful and intentional in everything. So while Jacob was digging this well, he had no idea he was digging the well for this woman that Jesus would meet years later and have a conversation at that well. So many years earlier, Jesus knew years later that he would need a sermon illustration to teach an outcast woman about new life and freedom in Christ. Again, God is always doing thousands of things that we can't see. So it's hot in our text. And Jesus has been walking and he's tired and he's thirsty and he grabbed a seat on a well. And just then a woman comes out to draw water. The Bible tells us it was the what hour? Six hour. That's 12 noon. It's the heat of the day. Now watch this. Women in those days going out to draw water in the heat of the day was not common. Women in those days would draw water in the morning in the cool of the day or at dusk in the cool of the day, but never in the heat of the day. The reason this woman is drawing water in the heat of the day is because she's not one of the girls. She's a social outcast. You'll see the well in Jesus' day, the well was the place where women met to gossip. I mean, fellowship. I'm sorry. I don't know how that slipped out. 
The place where the women could. See, you got to understand something. The well in those days was a place where news was spread. They didn't have MSNBC. They didn't have CNN. They didn't have WREL. They had the well. Well, this woman wasn't one of the girls. People talked about her. She comes to the well at noon when no proper respectable woman is there. And I'm confident every day her walk to the well is a reminder of her emptiness. See, if you read ahead, listen, look at me. If you read ahead in the story, you'll find out that this woman had five husbands and this woman uh, was currently living with a man who was not her husband. So this woman is a social outcast. She's not one of the girls. She's been married five times. Five times she's tried to start over. Five times she's tried to build a new life. And now she's given up on marriage and she's living with a man. So Jesus comes to this well. Why? Because he was thirsty and he knew there was a woman there who was also thirsty for a new life. Jesus was thirsty. Listen, you know what that tells us? That tells us that Jesus was human. Uh, I need more than five people to say amen. He was human. He was thirsty. Jesus was 100, I've told you, haven't I? Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Jesus is God come in human flesh, not a cosmic spirit who didn't leave footprints in the sand like the Gnostics taught. Jesus was tired, emotionally, physically weary. Jesus got hungry. And Hebrews tells us we have a high priest who was in all points touched with our infirmities, yet without sin. Jesus understands temptation. Jesus understands hunger. Jesus understands thirst. So Jesus is weary and he took a seat on the well. The woman comes out to draw water, and Jesus said, give me to drink. Now, we can learn something about Jesus here. We can see that Jesus steps into our daily routine. Are you glad about it? Jesus steps into the monotony of our daily routine because the monotony of our daily routine is important to Jesus. For this woman, it was pretty monotonous to go get water. Jesus sits down, and he says to the woman, give me a drink. Now, this woman, listen, is genuinely shocked. Why? Because she's got a double whammy against her. What's that? Number one, she's a woman. And number two, she's a Samaritan. Samaritan's names were only pronounced if you were using a swear word. The Pharisees would pray that no Samaritan be raised in the resurrection. It is said that you would be better off eating the flesh of a pig than to eat with Samaritans. Secondly, she was a woman, a Samaritan woman. That's a double whammy. The rabbis taught a Jew shouldn't talk to a woman in public. You wouldn't talk to your wife in public. If you saw her walking down the street, you wouldn't say, hey, honey. You would ignore her. You wouldn't talk to your mother or your daughter in public. There was a sect of the Jews that was so religious. When a woman came around, they walked with their eyes closed. They were called the bump and stumble Jews. True. I'm not making this up. So this woman is really shocked. And she says, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus looked at her and said, would you give me a drink of water? Now keep in mind, saints, look, listen to me. Keep in mind, this woman does not, does not know Jesus. She does not know Jesus is God. This woman 
knew men. This woman was quite familiar with men and game. (laughs) Pastor Rodney, thank you for keeping it real. (laughs) This woman, she didn't know she was talking to God. She didn't know she was talking to Jesus. So Jesus walks up on her and Jesus says, hey, woman, give me something to drink. And, 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 and she's probably thinking, you know, that's the worst pickup line I ever heard in my life. <laughs> give me something to drink. Oh, my corny. You know, give me something to drink. She, I mean, what is she thinking? She said, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritan saints? Look at verse 10. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She's probably thinking, man, he is laying it on thick now. Oh, now he's a gift of God. Oh, I see. He probably says that to all the girls. He, oh, yeah, baby, I am God's gift of woman. I mean, th- keep in mind, this woman, she does not know he is God. So in her mind, she's thinking he's just trying to run something on her, trying to get her digits. <laughs> Y'all ain't know I knew that, did you? That's one for me. Now, listen, there's a play on words here when Jesus says living water, because living water, you got your pen? Living water, bubbling water, running water was rare in those days. A well or a cistern was everywhere. If you've been to Israel with us, you know these huge cisterns at Masada. When you look into a well or a cistern, there was stuff floating around. You probably get all your four, four food groups in, in the water. <laughs> Proteins and green stuff. And, but running water or a fountain or something bubbling up was a premium. And obviously, this well of Jacob had a deep source of bubbling water and living water. It was called the gift of God. Like today, you might have children in a lemonade stand, and they're like, buy some lemonade. Mister, you want a cup of lemonade and 25 cents for some lemonade? Get your lemonade here. Well, in Jesus' day, they would be selling the gift of God. Hey, stop and buy the gift of God, the gift of God. The gift of God was running water. Jesus said, if you would have known the gift of God and who it is that says to you to give me a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Jesus is saying, you don't know the gift and you don't know the gift giver. Now, the thing that I want you to notice today, listen, today and when you come back next week, I want you to notice how Jesus lovingly and gently and might please hear me lovingly and gently and graciously leading this woman through a process. And the process is intended to bring her to a saving knowledge of the Messiah. Notice up until verse 14, and that's my text today. We'll come back next week. But up until verse 14, not once yet has Jesus mentioned this woman's sin. Not once has Jesus slammed her with the Bible and Bible verses. Not once did Jesus say, hey, let's stop and pray and you can repent of those five husbands and the man you live in shacking up with is not your husband. You need to repent. Not once. Christians, if you want 
people to come to know Jesus, then we got to stop hitting them with the Bible the first four minutes of introduction. I'm going to wait while somebody clap your hands and say amen there. That's true. You got to stop. You want to do what Jesus did? Then stop beating folk up with the Bible. How about talking to people? How about meeting people where they're at? How about loving on people and just meeting them and greeting them and loving on them? And, and you don't have to always spit out, well, John 3, 16 says, oh, for God to love the world. Then he gave us on. First John 4, 7 and 8, for God is love, love and love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God knows God. And he that loves is not, not born of God because I love. <laughs> and oh, by the way, it says right here that uh, if you don't know God, then you're going to hell. There it is right there. There's hell. <laughs> hell right there. You're turning people off. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.